the ones that I see really struggling right now, and I've got data on this, I've been tracking, you know, I have a, something that tracks all the, I'm tracking every unicorn software company, but basically what I'm seeing is the ones that are struggling are the ones that have a very kind of like senior level corporate marketer kind of came from that world doesn't understand the kind of data platformings part of it and a CRO or usually the CROs are from the, the sales side, let's just call it what it is. And I'm not, it could be either side, but we'll see that, that, you know, VP of sales, hard driving, I don't need any help. I'll just go get the number. There's just no way you're going to hit your number because of run working harder, because what's going to end up happening to you is your number is going to go 3x higher overnight and you're not going to be able to hit it. You're going to fail. And that's why these most of these folks are only lasting about four. I'm seeing about 14 months. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. Returning on this week's episode of Decision Point is Jesse Ouellette. He'll be continuing his conversation about sales and marketing. If you missed any of his previous conversation, go back to last week's episode of Decision Point and be able to catch up. I mean, I, I so I am definitely in agreement with you. Like, I, well, I think where the separation happens is when you get to a certain size and then you hire some, you hire somebody who's not on the same page. Whether you have a marketing person, you hire a salesperson, you have a salesperson, a marketing person. And they have different beliefs because they came from different schools. And once you hire two people from two different schools, have two different thoughts and are aligned and incentivized on two separate things, then you got division, right? I totally agree with you on that. I mean, the ones that I see really struggling right now, and I've got data on this, I've been tracking, you know, I have something that tracks all the, I'm tracking every unicorn software company. But basically what I'm seeing is the ones that are struggling are the ones that have a very kind of like senior level corporate marketer kind of came from that world, doesn't understand the kind of data platformings part of it. And a CRO or usually the CROs are from the the sales side, let's just call it what it is. And I'm not, it could be either side, but we'll see that, that, you know, VP of sales, hard driving, I don't need any help. I'll just go get the number. There's just no way you're going to hit your number because of, Run working harder because what's going to end up happening to you is your number is going to go three x higher overnight, and you're not going to be able to hit it. You're going to fail, and that's why these most of these folks are only lasting about four. I'm seeing about fourteen months. Yeah, it's it's pretty tight. So are they are now the guy that comes in behind them? Are they hitting that? Are they are they succeeding? I mean, I don't think anybody's succeeding. Well, right? so that's that. I, so I've been a part of both sides. I've been the one that's coming in to replace the new, the old team, and the I was on both sides of it, right? Where I was the one there, and there's the I never got replaced. But is know. that in the revenue advisory role? So you were coming when you had this little window between the product and just more, just more my career. I mean, I always was there. Like the revenue advisory, I was doing more like kind of consulting to find the problem that I wanted to solve in SaaS. But but before that, when I was in my career, I always had, you know, I was always pretty close with my VP of sales. I always got pulled from company to company, you know, and and, and that kind of thing. But what I, what I always see happening is the CRO role is the second that person doesn't understand the marketing, like I've got a few friends who are CROs that, I tr- that I've been training on uh, sales and marketing. 
and they're at unicorns, the marketing side specifically. They're like your old school sales leaders, but they're on the marketing side. Now I've taught them marketing and there's certain metrics you need to look at from a marketing spectrum. I'm an advisor to three companies right now that I'm doing that for. And those companies are getting, you know, the, the CRO runs marketing too. They, they, they wouldn't take the job. Like certain CROs can choose if they can own the marketing department or not. So what, what do you think about, like, why does, I mean, I struggle to separate the two things. And I, and I, but, but from, from like a lead generation perspective, like when you think about how you're going to grow the business, whether you think about it from the sales lens or you think about the, the marketing lens, I, I really see ultimately you need people to buy stuff. Right. And I think that's, that's so, so, so typically when I think about where, where things sort of fall apart is like when a marketer all of a sudden doesn't think they need to sell something. Right. Yeah. So I can give you a couple examples that really are obvious around. So data wise, here's, here, here's one good one, right? So when you look at, where I really like to look at is programmatic ads and their strategy around that. And when I look around, I mean, you could say, you know, going to be actually just because it's so bad, I've got a course I'm watching just, just on LinkedIn ads. But what I'll see is people running ads and they've, they've really have no idea what the, there's like on LinkedIn, there's three types of objectives on the ad. And what they don't understand is they're like, well, I need more leads. So I'm just going to go run the lead gen ones. What are those three objectives? Yes. Yeah, so, so there's the, the three objectives that they have on, on, on like Facebook is different, but the three objectives that they have are the brand awareness. That's like cold. Like, first of all, if you're a company, like most people are still cold on your company, unless you're like, you know, Microsoft drift, you know, something like yep. a household name, but yep. Let's so there's the brand awareness one, right? There's the there's kind of your your middle one, which is like your engagement one, right? That's like you're trying to get more engagement and get them to come through your link and everything there. And then there's the conversion one. There's three, and they and LinkedIn tells you this, like that when you're setting up the ad, it physically tells you this. Yet it's so it's still so complicated to people. So what what you have to think of is on the brand one. This is where the sales team needs to be kind of involved, right? Like when you're picking these audiences. You know, I was at one company, they were spending $80,000 a month and not one of the ads was going to anybody in our target market because they didn't understand that the audience size they picked was too big and they were running it. It would reset every night at midnight, East Coast time, but they had the setting, it was on a different time zone. So it was the wrong setting. So they were just blowing up 80, 80 grand a month on ads and nobody nobody even knew. They're like, well, it's brand, you know, it's brand aware. But they weren't even running brand awareness ads. They were running the conversion ads, trying to get lead forms in, but that's not the right move either. So they just didn't understand you have to use. So the new prospecting is happening through, you know, obviously you're getting people in and you want to make calls to people, right? Like as you guys, you know, your product does and everything, but also the, a lot of the prospecting is going on. You want the air cover campaigns running while you're calling people so they can be aware of your product. Yeah. Right. And and I, and I always say that, you know, I think branding, market, marketing and branding are really super important in phone prospecting because yeah, sure. if I call you from LinkedIn, you're probably going to take my call. You recognize that, right? If I call you from Link Me Up and we're in sunny, Sunnyvale, Arkansas, I mean, you're probably not going to take, right. uh, <laughs> take my, 
Yeah. My uh, or Yeehaw, Arkansas, whatever, whatever. I don't know any towns. Yeah, yeah. My, geogra- my geographic names are going out the door here, but yeah. So I think branding super super important. So as it pertains to to phone prospecting, what is so so? Let me ask you a question. That say, I guess as you sort of talk about the changes that are happening in sales and marketing, one of the things that I think is occurring is you're seeing these salespeople who are almost like pseudo marketers. You know, they're out there. They're. What do you think about? What tell me? What do you think about that? What's the future of sales yeah, sure. so, sales reps? So here's where it gets interesting. So if you're an AE and you're having to do outbound prospecting where so you, so you're like an AE that's got that's basically like you know there's kind of the two stage a lot of the two stage organizations you prospect and then you have the AE that's like kind of closing the deals the problem is that person that AE that's closing the deals as these numbers are going up every year 3x you know triple three times double twice right so that's like the or well, sorry you know double double triple twice triple twice double three times but what's going on is you're finding that these AEs are now responsible with their SDRs, right? They're both struggling. The volume-based sequencing and, and things like that isn't working unless you're running ads and you're working with your marketing team and you're getting the message out there, right? Because the the call for the 15-minute meeting is a lot harder to get now. So you need a little bit of air cover for you, right? Whether calling or emailing, it doesn't, it, the medium really doesn't matter. I mean, you could do both of them very well, but you just need to be able to do that. And then I think what's going to change is you're going to start to see there's going to be more salespeople who are like moving towards marketing or operations because there's not enough of those performance-based marketing people, right? The you know the Chris Walkers of the world who are talking about performance and all of that, or the operations people who like, hey, we don't have these systems set up right. We only have one this this sales ops capacity planning person is not even that important. Well, they're important, but there's you need somebody to set up all these. We just bought 38 tools and we got to go get them all deployed, right? So that's kind of the, the the thing that I see is happening is you're going to see a lot more people switching to roles like RevOps, a lot of salespeople or SDRs that like maybe, hey, and, and then if they want to play video games, like they might, might be younger, you know, playing video games. If they want to get to the second level of Call of Duty, maybe they want to go do some programmatic ads. I mean, that's where there's a lot of like, you know, if you do that and make phone call, like you're probably going to want to give your SDRs the budget for the ads because they're going to probably be able to convert them better than your marketing team will be able to. And giving now, it to you, an agency is not a good idea either. Now, why is that? Why is programmatic ads to an agency a bad idea? Well, if you think about it, like when you're when you're going out and you're prospecting, you start out in that brand awareness stage. An agency is going to take some time to figure out like, you don't want to give, it's such a, perform, it's what I, what I think people aren't doing in B2B right now is they don't realize like the perform, you know, we always want to make this a sport or a game or whatever. The real performance, you can't, the stuff that's like your competitive advantage has to be that, right? That's the area where you can differentiate against the competition. And I see these companies giving it to an agency who literally is just loading in whatever they think because the agency doesn't care. They just want to get their cost structure down. Right? So so you want to take this prospecting on. It, it, it's learning, right? You're going to have to learn how to run ads. It's a pain. Like I'm humbled. Like it's it humbles me just like the sales job did as well because running ads is a, is a pain in the ass. Like it is when they don't convert, you get so angry and you just... 
but it's fun. I mean, that's what the SDRs probably should be doing instead of just, you know, doing both, right? The combo, making calls with products like yours. And just, I think it's a really big opportunity that people are, SDRs are trying to figure out what they're doing. How how would you execute that? Like, how would that, how's that work? If you were going to push down programmatic advertising to the SDR, how do you envision that to be, like, how physically would you execute that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the perfect example, and I know we were talking about it before was, you know, these pod structures that do these ABM campaigns, right? You might give that SDR a budget and, you know, you probably want to have somebody in the organization that knows you probably want to get somebody certified to have them do like a CXL, you know, performance, you know, ads certification. But what, what you're going to find is you could do groups, right? You can do ad groups. So you could say, Hey, this, this team gets $500, let that team own it. Don't give it to one marketing person who already has way too much on their plate, but also is not a, the the sales part of that ad. When you're trying to close the the ad and you're trying to get that person to convert, it's the same process you use in a sales process. When you're asking somebody for the sale, you have to push urgency. You have to test your performance and your brand at this intersection of like, I don't want to go screw up my brand, but I got to get this deal in and I got to make some money. So it's an opportunity, I think. So what goes through my mind is I just think about, so there's a podcast that I follow called The Founders Podcast and the guy interview or he basically reads books on entrepreneurs and sort of regurgitates all the information to a, a really tight hour conversation where he's pulling out all the great, you know, kind of the great entrepreneurial bits. And the one thing that comes up, you know, time and time again is guys start businesses and at some point they get decentralized. So the organization takes over. So maybe that's because the founder died, but there's, but decentralization typically is a core theme of the guy on the ups when they're going up, when they're growing the business, you know, before it gets taken over by the second generation of founders, it's very decentralized. And when I hear you talk about Mark, it's almost like the decentralization of marketing, right? Marketing initially, like early 1900s, it's going to be really combined (laughs) with sales. It gets decentralized. So it's all being, we're going back down where it's going to get, it's starting to get broken up. People are pushing that back down. Yeah. Well, you, well, the, the, what's going to end up happening. I mean, this is the reality there's, there's, you know, I was looking at it the other day, I think it was 18,000 of these, of of SDRs, some of these unicorns, right. Uh, And the, and the companies themselves have a tremendous amount of money set aside for their, for their ads and prospecting, right. The SDRs are part of that, but if they want to be successful, they're going to want to do both and they're going to want to align them both. Right. And what you're not going to be able to do is work across a CMO who runs this mark, one marketing person who decides which salesperson they like and runs the ads. And they're not measured. You know, those marketing people have a 90, usually a 90, 10 comp plan. And right. We always say incentive drive behavior, but the 10% is not about any one ad change is not going to make a difference to them. But it has to in your business to be successful. If you're spending 50, 60 grand a month on ads, it's not even just the 50, 50, 60 grand a month, whatever, blow it out the window. But what about just taking that and you're losing the opportunity cost to run the ads? There's no other way to do it. The reps can't do it. I mean, I at one point, I almost just grabbed the ads account and just started running them myself. Cause I could have made an ROI on that. Like I definitely could have done the, you know, ROI. I knew what my sales process. So that's why I basically went the way I did. And, you know, I understand audience matching very well. 
I understand the data part. I understand how to get a message across. You don't want to always get everybody in that funnel either. You want to get the people who have the problem. Then you want to go press the urgency on them. And most people can't even set up the pixel on their website, which is the number one thing you have to do first, right? And this is where I think SDRs could be used much more strategically. This and calls, you know, combining the two would be a very interesting opportunity. Well, awesome. Well, super. So I have so little, you know, understanding of like what ad spend looks like at a large, uh, large business. So I love hearing you talk about how that's executed. I have. So I've, I've actually been monitoring it for, so I have the data for all of the kind of SaaS unicorn companies. And what would scare you is what, what their cost was. If you were to look at their cost in 2016 versus now. And you understand why these companies are doing, you know, like the ad, you know, the programmatic ads, but I can give you an example. Like if you want to, if yeah, you want, yeah, give me an example. Yeah. So it's, it's always interesting. So if we looked, if we thought about a company, like to some degree, there's, there might be a 10, I got to preface it with that, but most likely it's pretty much spot on. So if you were to look at like, let's just say a company and now HubSpot's got amazing execution. They, they're, they're unbelievable, but let's just talk about them. 2016, they're probably a small company, you know, Mark's there, CRO, but they're $38,000, let's see, yeah, $38,000 a month. Now, if we go to today, if we looked at March, $311,000 a month. They did a 10x increase over that, that month. So I've been tracking all these companies for a while. And if you were to look at, I have it on every, every SaaS like unicorn. If we looked at a company like Ring Central. Back in 2016, they were spending $475,000 per month. And now they're spending like 1.6 million per month. A, and a month. A month. And that's just on Google. That's not including, if I don't know, I, I actually don't know if they're doing it on Facebook. You could always, I could always go figure that out. But I, I'm basically taking their data and I'm watching these, these companies and I'm seeing what they're spending. And if you only have one person managing that or an ad agency that doesn't even really know your business and doesn't know the story, that is an opportunity for a group of people to come in and somebody who's measured on that. I don't know who that is. Maybe it's somebody in your marketing team. I don't know, but it's a performance. It's somebody who's measured on performance, not, it can't. So, so are you, are you sort of saying that, Hey, you feel like a lot of these marketing, you know, heads are, are you know, programmatic advertising is just falling to the wayside. And they're just throwing money. Yeah, it's, to keep it's it. amazing when I look. So what I'm able, so the nice thing about marketing is you can see most, if you want to measure marketing, you actually don't even have to work at the company. The best way to measure your marketing is to do, I, I have a strategy. What I do is I do an endpoint analysis. I basically analyze the entire uh, surface of their marketing. And I figure out exactly how many visitors they have on every single platform. And I benchmark it. I've been benchmarking these companies for a while. So I have a lot of this data. So, so that data, is that stuff that you just collected yourself? Yeah. Just like, or is that company? Is that co oh. Yeah. Yep. Um, so are you, are you going to put that out in one of your, one of your LinkedIn posts, like share all the. Yeah. The I'm going to okay. be releasing the ad one pretty soon here because okay. uh, I'm releasing a course on LinkedIn ads. I mean, LinkedIn's like 12 to 15 bucks, you know, a uh, 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 thousand views. So, you know, if I get a hundred thousand views on one of my posts, I already know how much that's worth. So you know, you know, this is, you can calculate it pretty quickly, right? And anybody who has an audience, 
Yeah. No, no, I'm looking forward to it. So you'll have to give me a heads up when you get ready to post it, when you get ready to post it out. Maybe I'll send you the preview. I'll send you just you the preview and we can, yeah, everybody else will have to keep watching your, your podcast to learn. Oh, let's do it. I love for the show. I love it. I think that's great. I think that's great. So, well, cool. Is there anything specific that you want to cover that we didn't talk about? No, I mean, I think the, the, the key, the key thing that I'm seeing is uh, what is working. I can tell you like what I see really working and for me, and we're doing, I'm doing a lot of growth experimentation, right? So I'm seeing the, 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 there's somebody in your organization that might not always be getting like one of the most important people in your org is this marketing operations person and how good they are and their skill and the really good ones you've got to, there, there's going to be such a demand for those, that role, that role could be, and these, some of these people might be smart enough to figure out that they got to change their title probably to like a VP of growth. But that role is is probably the most critical role in a in a SaaS organization right now, and that's the per, that's not the person who's doing the CRM. That's the person who's doing more the email marketing, automation, or kind of all the the customer data. They're they're dealing with all your customer data. That person is incredibly important, and that's where the opportunity is because what's happening with these companies? You're if the second it becomes an MQL in anybody's mind, it's way too late. You have to figure out where your audience is way before that, because that's where they're still trying to, if you want your sales team to ever be involved, they got to be involved way back, like way before they ever fill out. A, if they touch an ebook or anything like that, it's, it's too late. Like, you know, why is it, why I'm curious. I mean, I agree, but why do you think it's too late? It's too late because the person's been doing so much research on your company and they've pretty much got an idea. And if it depends on the, like the skill of your salesperson, right? Like, so then it like that skill part at that first call and most people, even the best salespeople, it's actually the best salespeople are usually hard to get to at a company. Usually you get to some of the, wor- like, not the worst people, but the maybe the more junior people or like, this is what buyers are afraid of. So the companies that figure out how to get their buyers in, get them the aha or get them, you know, you think of it as a store. There's thousands of people every day coming into your website, right? Do you know who the other 999 people are that aren't filling out their form? You, you should know their persona. That's not that hard to do now. That you should have an anonymous name for every single one of those people. And you should look for patterns in what they're doing. You know, you can track them across every single touch of any piece of your content if you know what you're doing. And that's why that growth role is going to be so important. And I'm starting to see some CRO. I've got a couple CROs that I see. They're building these growth organizations where they, they come in, they're the CRO, and then they hire a more tactically focused head of growth or something like that. Because the, the same playbook, the CMO, the CRO, are they fighting today or not? That playbook is dead. Like it, it will be dead for, I mean, you're just, the second somebody comes into that market and has a product that's easier to get installed and ready, that person's going to win, you know, fast. It's how fast your buyers can get in and get past the trial process. Like, okay. You know, so, so I had, the, so I had this conversation with, oh man, somebody yesterday, Jonathan, uh, Gandalf from the juice here in Indianapolis. So it's a, it's a high alpha funded business. So basically they have a product that allows you to come in and, and get all the sales and marketing collateral without having to fill out the forms. So kind of cool. They're trying to de 
you know, get rid of you having to fill out a form and stop the phone call from happening. And so you can log on here, look at all the content. If you want somebody to call you, you can change your profile to call me or you can say, hey, I'm just browsing. And then they're selling a little analytics package. So I asked him, I said, do you think you'll buy enterprise software like you buy Netflix? And you sort of alluded to that. You said, hey, I think, you know, the ability to get, you know, kind of a frictionless sale. So what's your what's your thought on that? Like, do you think the enterprise sales team goes away? No. So I think what's, so that's the, that's actually the uh, opposite of what's going to happen. So what's going to happen, what, what you're seeing happen is right in the more mature organizations or, or the companies that are like really figuring this out. Like I get, I get a couple of companies, I'll give you like Datadog, right? So you look at Datadog, they have like a nine month payback to their sale. All the numbers look really good. They go out, they build another product, they get another 50% of the, you know, sales penetration on it. But it'll be what, what the sales rep will do is they'll handle customers that have already installed the product. They've already started a, a relationship. And that's how the, like the companies that figure, start to figure this out, right? You obviously, there's a technology shift that has to happen, right? You can't just become a PLG company overnight. It's not easy. Trust me, I've had to, you know, this is part of my, there's stuff that I've had to struggle with on this too. I mean, I've been advising people on this, but you do have to make it so they can interact with your brand and possibly buy something. There has to be some something that they're doing with you, whether it's, I don't know, do a training or something, something that they feel that they've interacted with your brand before your sales team is going to be involved because that, that helps keep that cost down. And then that outbound team, you better just make sure that that team is so aligned, has all the tech working. They're using products like yours. Their ads are running exactly over the right people. All those things. Like if you're going to do an outbound team, quote unquote outbound, you got to make, there are so many things you have to email delivery, you know, phone number, data, all that, all the connect stuff that you need for monster connect (laughs) that kind of stuff so that's what you really got to make sure all this stuff is wired and wired for 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 sound right so if you're running those outbound teams but if you're if you want a lot of de-risking is going to go down where you come in you buy some little subscription and then you start the discussion with them right discussion safer model Cloud marketplace is where you'll see this right now. The cloud marketplace, okay. Uh, cloud market, like like the AW, like if you look at companies like Tackle that enable companies to go to the cloud marketplace, you're seeing a lot of these like on-prem products start to get to the cloud, and they're putting their products in like you know managed EC2 or, or like is that like a is that what like Tackle IO or something? Yeah, so like Tackle.io, okay. they they kind of get you to the they get you into the the they get you right into the the, the cloud marketplaces, and they do it like you know in a way that. Okay. I've never, I've not heard of those guys. Super, super interesting. Well, Jesse, this has been really fun, man. I love following you. I love your stuff. You've been great conversation. I hope we stay in touch. So, all right, man. was awesome. Love talking to you. Let's stay in touch. As always, uh, if you want more information on the podcast, go to monsterconnect.com forward slash podcast. Uh, You can get last season's Uh, last year's episodes. You can get all the new episodes for this year. And as always, remember, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. Until next time.